everyone hey how's it going welcome to episode what are we have 149 now <laughs> episode 149 just checking my levels i kind of yelled when we first started <laughs> so um make sure we're muted we're doing good yeah i can see you guys okay i hope you can see me okay uh and uh we've got some cool subjects to talk about this week and uh, maybe some good questions so we'll have to see how the questions part go Let's see what you guys got for me this week um, real quick, uh, as always, start, as I start every uh, one of these live episodes, you can uh, stream it as a or download it as a podcast. That's an option for you. Uh, so just be aware it's KYG podcast on iTunes. It's uh, it's actually consumed more as a podcast than a live show. Um, and if you don't want to watch the entire show and there's something that you're just maybe seeing if we're talking about that was interesting, I index every show. It takes me a little while, but I make sure I timestamp. Uh, every relevant question or anything that was worth uh, highlighting uh, in the show. So I get about 90% of it. So there you go. So you can go right to that. And if you're live right now and joining us for the first time, if you want to ask me a question, you always start the question with the question mark first. That way I know you're talking to me. You don't have to put my name in it. Just put question mark first. And even if you want to make a statement that you're hoping I might see, uh, go ahead and put the question mark first. That helps as well. So this week, of course, the, uh, the world is, uh, you know, we have issues. Uh, everybody's talking about the coronavirus, I'm sure, and uh, and uh, and you're hearing and seeing a lot of stuff. And that got me thinking. I wanted to start the show with this because, uh, like a lot of you, uh, I'm going to have kids out of school for a while, and a lot of us are going to be working from home. A lot of, uh, especially in, in the U.S., a lot of people working from home. Uh, I'm sure it's happening everywhere. But that that got, gave me a, an interesting thought as I was running errands today. You know, one of the best things you could probably do right now, which is something that I was working on today, is find yourself some projects. Um, you know, um, you know, idle hands are the devil's playground, is I think the saying. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that's close to it. And what I mean by that is before you consume all this um, hysteria that's out there, and I'm not really uh, uh, talking about whether it's valid or invalid. That's not my point. My point is, is that... Like anything, like if you're battening down for a storm or uh, like any flu epidemic, you need to take some serious precautions. You need to make sure that your health is in line. You want to make sure you, your family's protected. You want to make sure you take, you check all those boxes, okay? That's a safety thing. Check those boxes off. But then once you get through that process, you're going to realize that you have a lot of free time on your hands. <laughs> so... Uh, what I'm saying is uh, it's a good time to get yourself some projects, whether you're uh, an old guitar that you think about fixing up. Um, I was working on some guitar stands, actually constructing some guitar stands. And this is probably I've never mentioned this before. Maybe it'll be exciting today. I also like to wind my own pickups. In fact, uh, something my patrons have known now for a couple years, I've always kept uh, back from the YouTube universe, uh, which is anytime. And there's not a lot, but anytime in the videos in the past, there, there's been mentions where I said a friend wired this pickup. I use that term many times. That was me. I've been winding my own pickups for many years. So uh, what do I, uh, so I, I do, I work on that. I work on winding my own pickups, uh, and projects, like I said, fine projects. I'm sure you guys got stuff to do around the house, but I'm talking about stuff that brings you joy, stuff that you can sit down, take, take some moments away from the world and, and put your, uh, you know, your brain, your thinking cap on and get, uh, get to doing some stuff. So that's what I'm suggesting. So there you go. So there, that's good time. So if you're thinking about getting some of that projects is a good time to start now because, 
I think uh, the monotony and boredom will hit you in about a week. <laughs> so uh, especially as someone who works mostly from home, I can tell you that is a problem you're going to have. If you've never worked from home, it's going to be uh, it's going to actually be cool for a couple of days. And then you're going to realize you get a little extra time your day because you're not commuting to work and all that other stuff. But uh, you're also going to run out of stuff to do around the house. So something to think about. All right. Uh, I'm sure you guys got some interesting topics to talk about as well. Uh, first, as always, I like to hit the first question of the day. And I did not screen capture it, and it seems to be missing, but that's okay. Um, I got the gist of it. It was the first question. I'm sorry if I don't have the reader's name or the viewer's name. It was, what is my favorite Paul Reed Smith pickup, guitar pickup? And I'm sure maybe that question poked up because I did the video of the comparison of my 594 versus the S2 yesterday. Um, you know... My favorite, absolute favorite uh, pickup is my Mira pickup in my original Mira, I think, because I love that guitar. But realistically, I, I really, really love the 5708-5909 combo. That's uh, something that that I did for Tyler Larson. Um, I love that combination putting the 5909 and the 5708 combination in that video is that that's my favorite pickup combination. So it's hard for me to say 5909s or 5708s. It's really the mix of the two pickups, one of each. And, but I, if I was going to say only one of those, it's 5708s. I like the softer, I like low output pickups. I like softer tone pickups. I'll juice the amp up if I want. Uh, I'll get it from a pedal. You know what I mean? I, I don't really want to drive the amp uh, with the guitar is, is basically where I'm getting at for me, for me. All right. Uh, let's see. What else? What else do you guys got going on? Uh, Covey were talking about the daylight savings change. Yeah. It, remember, we deal with this every year. I live in one of the only, I think there's two states, there might be three, uh, that do not participate in daylight savings time. So as the world changes, uh, we do not in the state of Arizona. So half the year, six months, I'm on Pacific time. Six months, I'm on mountains time, mountain standard time. I'm now on Pacific standard time. So that's uh, and we talked about changing it to align itself with that, but I'm just going to stick to three o'clock every Friday, my time and, and a couple times a year, it'll be weird. <laughs> Maybe it helps some people throughout the year. I don't know. Uh, hopefully it does. Um, let's see. Uh, let, let's see. I see what else you guys want to talk about. Um, just, uh, hold on. Ah, the drunken scoundrel wants to know, is that an Yvette Young behind you? It sure is right there. Uh, there, <laughs> never going to get this pointing uh, right when it's it's a mirror. I'm looking at a mirror on my screen. Uh, yes, that is the Yvette Young uh, Ivan is guitar. Um, the video is already filmed. Uh, I think I have to uh, punch up and do some of the uh, audio mixes uh, of the of the recording of the of the guitar because I haven't done that yet. In other words, I got to film them. Um, but I filmed the unboxing and the whole process uh, for that guitar. Um, I reached out to a couple companies, a few companies, uh, guitar companies and said, Hey, the month of March is women's history month. And uh, you know, I've done 700 and something videos and I've only done one uh, female artist guitar, which was the, uh, the uh, St. Vincent. I said, it'd be really cool if we could get some, some female artist guitars on the channel. Uh, I thought it'd be cool. Uh, it's not so much for the month of March. It was more of a catalyst thing. It was like the, that's where the idea came in. It's kind of like, you know, you know, Christmas reminds you, I guess, to buy presents. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? It was like, okay, maybe we should do something like that. Um, and uh, Ibanez was cool enough to send one out 
It's right there. And uh, I don't know if it'll be out tomorrow, but it'll be out definitely in the next couple of days for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, and I actually have some other cool art, a few Mars guitars uh, on their way as well from some other companies. Um, let's see. Uh, somebody asked me, where was it at? Hold on. There was an interesting question. Uh, hold on. I have to go backwards. Please bear with me as I keep, keep talking while I look. Cause it was one of those questions. I didn't know what they were asking. Then it says 8515 pickups. I do love the 8515s. In fact, I think I've said once I like the 8515s the best. Uh, probably, like I said, I toggle between those and the 5708s for sure. But the 5708s is something I can get my hands on. I have a set of 5708s uh, over, over on, the, on the bench. Um, hmm. I don't see the question and I feel bad because I thought I pinned it. I thought I grabbed it real quick, but, uh, what it was. I, I don't know. It was interesting. Uh, I don't, I'm sorry if I don't have the viewer's name, that's what I'm looking for. I know what the question is. I just don't remember who, who asked. Um, but the question was, did I see the, uh, Gyrock, whatever I don't know how you say it. Gyrock, G-Y Rock guitar on the Daryl Bruin channel. I did not. I saw the guitar personally at the Summer Nam. Uh, I believe that's when they unveiled it. And then I believe uh, Steve from Boston did a video, or he talked about it. Um, oh, there it is. Uh, uh, let's see. It was a uh, uh, Declan. Thanks, Declan. Says, "Hey Phil, what did you make of the G Rock? I think it's G Rock, or it might be Gyrock." I don't know that Daryl Braun got his hands on multi pickup. Uh, it's dumb. It's a dumb guitar. Uh, you know, I usually don't talk like that. <laughs> usually I'm, I'm very like, Hey, everybody should be able to find the thing they like. Um, I have to admit, I've never had a more, uh, extreme reaction to an instrument. Uh, usually when I see something I don't like, like I remember the first time I saw solid, solid aluminum guitars at the NAMM show. And I thought, I picked one up and it was heavy. And I thought, this is strange. Why would somebody make this? But somebody out there wants this. That's what I always think about every guitar. Somebody out there wants this. Somebody's dream just came come true. The Gyrock guitar was this guitar that I saw. And it was, and this is why I have a, a, such an emotional reaction to it. It was, it, please, like I said, hold, you know, I apologize for the drama. It was like a pummeling to my face of one crazy thing after another. First, I was like, oh, okay ejectable pickups we've seen this before i already saw the somnium stuff i already saw um relish you know what i mean uh, believe it or not boaz had approached me at the show and was trying to get me to talk about their guitars uh which i was not interested in talking about um because they they only had a, a, a proking uh, prototype and it wasn't really working right and i was like okay when it's ready we'll, we'll talk but so i was like okay this is going to be a thing now so then i see the the j-rock guitar g-rock guitar whatever and here's why i say it was a pummeling it was like uh, okay. It, oh, it's an ejectable cartridge guitar. Oh, but it only does single coil size pickups. That's kind of strange. So mini humbuckers, 
All right, that's a little different. Very limiting. Okay, cool. Um, so a little strange. All right, I'm with it. And then it was like, but they rotate like with like 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 <laughs> like you're gonna go to the casino and and they they rotate like a cartridge. And I'm like, well, okay, they rot they spin rotate like that's crazy. And then they're like, it's fourteen thousand dollars. And I'm like, it's fourteen thousand dollars. Like, so to me. It was okay. I get it. Like I, some people have reacted to the Somnium guitar this way, and in the in the, the Relish guitar, like why do I need this? I understand that. That wasn't my point. My point was, generally, I'm, I, you know, I could react the same as many react to a fourteen thousand dollar guitar. People react the way I react to a fifteen fourteen thousand dollar guitar to a thousand dollar guitar. They're like that's ridiculous. I'm not saying fourteen thousand dollar guitar is ridiculous. I probably should because you know I'm never going to buy a guitar for fourteen thousand dollars, but uh, it's somebody out there, you know, doesn't mind spending $14,000. And like I said, good for them for having, you know, good for them. <laughs> but it seemed really strange. Like it didn't do what the other guitars were already doing better. And then it was extremely much more expensive. And so I will say the positive, here was the positive. I looked at a guitar like that and I thought, okay, this is like the car show where they bring us a guitar from the future. Cause that's sometimes when you're at the guitar shows, you got to think some of these guitars are just, somebody came up with a crazy idea. You know, to me, the Somnium guitar, when I first saw it, the first iteration of it, which is where it was modular and it came apart in pieces and stuff. That was crazy cool, but it was like, eh, I don't know why I would need that. And I, I, I kind of, you know, didn't, didn't get, didn't bite in. And like I've said many times with this guitar, if it wasn't for the fact that I want to change pickups and do stuff and learn and educate myself about, uh, pickups, which I have already. In fact, I'm mad at myself for never just kind of, you know, everybody's seen uh, homemade versions of guitars where the pickups kind of can load in. They don't have to be that uh, put together so well like the Somnium guitar is. But uh, what I'm saying was I learned so much, like in hours, stuff that, I, that's, that probably takes years to learn. I learned in hours. I, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, you know, theories that I, I've, I've had, not just because I've heard it or read about it, but changing pickups over the years. And then, but never having that, that, that ability to change so quickly that it's still fresh in my mind that I still can have a emotional response to the two things. That's what I find is more interesting than this. Whenever I've changed out pickups, I've changed out pickups as fast as, you know, within an hour, you know, or, you know, maybe 30 minutes, change out some pickups and played and thought, oh, this is a difference. But being able to change them out instantaneously, instantaneously has a reaction. So that was my response to the, the J-Rock guitar. But I did not watch Daryl Braun's video. So maybe he has a way to spin that in a cool way. Um, but $14,000 for a guitar that has limitations, like it only uses single coil size pickups seems strange. That's my problem with the Relish guitar, by the way. Uh, I make no qualms about it. I think the Relish guitars are beautiful. I've, I've picked them up. I've played them. You know, they've been there for the years at the NAMM show every year. And I've I've checked them out I, as guitars. I think they're beautiful. As a concept, obviously, I, I'm okay with the concept of the pickup ejecting system. But as soon as I found out I couldn't do it, that they have to do it, and it's all, you know, again, I, I don't want a guitar. I don't want a modular guitar, a guitar that ejects cartridges or moves pickups around or does anything that isn't liberating to me, <laughs> right? I don't need some company to send me modules uh, full of stuff. I want to be able to do it myself. Uh, so that was my thing. So it was very, very emotional. But I think, but like I said, the reason I had that reaction to it, just, you know, and I've been talking about it for a while, is like I said, at the Summer Nam, I really felt, I've never felt that experience ever with a guitar before, where I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> okay, this is strange. So there you go. That's Declan, that's my response to that.
Um, okay. Uh, the um, what else? Why is my tuner spinning? Uh, it's not spinning. There's a. Uh, it's reflecting uh, the fan. I have a ceiling fan. It's reflecting that. Or maybe it is spinning. Maybe that bass is just doing its own thing. Uh, let's see. Um, Big Mo says 14K, add a little more, go to... Yeah, you know, that's my thing. For $14,000, I feel like it should be impossible to, uh, you know you know, say, I, I, it's, you know, if it's a $14,000 guitar, it should be like, I don't have $14,000. That should be a great answer. But to say, if you did have $14,000 to buy on a guitar, but it has limitations, seems strange to me. So I don't know. Seems, it seems a little strange. The whole thing seemed a little strange. That's my experience on that. <laughs> so, um, okay. Hold on a second. There is uh, Joe Harvey says thoughts on solar guitars. I have one solar guitar. It's behind me. It's right. I can't point at it, guys. It's orange and it's in the rack. Um, I still love it. Playing the other day. What I'm hoping, one of the things that I'm hoping is as I go through all these pickup swaps and as as I've learned, I'm hoping to find a set of pickups that I might put in that guitar. Um, I really like the guitar and I actually like the way it sounds. I don't think I need to change out the pickups in the solar guitar, but I just have a weird compulsion to do so. I don't know why <laughs> I just do. So it's kind of funny how that is. Some guitars, for some reason, when you get them, you're just like, I can't wait to change a few things on this. Uh, I don't know what that is. Um, let's see. What else do we got? We have the, uh, po- the positive autism. Hey, what's up guys? Uh, it says, Hey Phil, uh, uh, Micah and I, is giving away a Fender Lone Star Strat. Okay, the, uh, it, with his artwork on it, wanted to give your viewers a chance to enter jazz hands. Keep on rocking. Okay, when I index this, guys, I will put a link. I'll find the link uh, to it. I'm sure it's on your YouTube channel. Uh, if you guys you guys remember, the uh, they've done this before. They did a giveaway. Um, but I think they're just saying this is a an enter to win, not a, a bidding for a charity thing. So very cool. I will I'll put out the word. Uh, David says, can you lower string height on a Floyd Rose nut? Uh, mine feel a bit too high, uh, too hard to press changes the tone. Or is that normal for a Floyd Rose is a Schecter Hellraiser? Yes, you absolutely can. So if you're lucky, sometimes you're lucky, David, and it's been shimmed up. So if you, uh, if you take off the nut, which is very easy, it's just, you're going to take off the strings or at least loosen the strings to where you can get them out of the way. The, there's two screws that will screw or bolt the, the Floyd Rose nut in. Yours is a Schecter. I'm assuming they're two screws. You'll take that uh, Floyd Rose nut off, and hopefully for you, what's underneath it is uh, shims. And they're usually like some kind of metal shims, sometimes brass, but they're paper-thin shims. And there may be one or two, and they'll sh- they're shimming up the nut. If that's the case, you would remove them. If there was two, I'd remove one. I know, just you know, go a little, just take one off, put it back. Tune it up, see what happens. If it's two, uh, and then if it's just, you know, if it's one, just do that. If it's two, do one. Then if that works, great. If not, take the other one out. If you pull it up and it's there's no shims, then what you would do is you would have to sand that uh, the neck, uh, that spot. So you sand that down. Um, and something I've done many, many times. And then what's nice is, 
is uh, if you don't have those shims, I would go ahead and order them. So if it's something you think you're going to do yourself, it's a very simple, simple process. Um, you're basically going to get a flat file, something that you can, uh, or you can use sandpaper, but you really want it on a flat, hard surface. So um, if you use uh, sandpaper, use something that is spaced correctly. Um, I have a little metal wedge uh, that has a little piece of sticky on sandpaper on there that will fit in that spot. You'll see it. Um, I'm not sure what the the thickness of that is maybe a half inch. Anyways, uh, anyways, all you're gonna do is sand the wood underneath this the spot just a little bit. But I would have a couple shims because then when you put it on, if it's too low, you can shim it up. That's why they shim it. That's the best way to do it for me. Um, I've seen other people. I don't do it this way, but I've seen other people actually cut into the actual nut into the V's, which are for the 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 slots. The this the uh, string slots are like a V. Um. I don't do that. <laughs> I don't, I don't do that. Normally, you know, it's my, uh, you normally for me, I don't kind of mod the guitar and mod the part. Let's use the rule. I find this is one of the few times where I actually mod the guitar, not the part. If you don't feel comfortable doing this, just be aware that it's something that you should be able to take to a local technician at a reputable store or a repair shop. And it should be easily done. So there you go. And that's if it's just not a setup issue. Please understand, I'm assuming at this point, because sometimes some people will put in the comments later on these uh, live shows like, well, first you got to adjust the neck. I understand all that stuff. We're just, just I don't want to go through every process. In my case, that's something I, I'm assuming you've done all the right process to get to that. But also be aware of the fact that you need to also make sure that your neck is set. Everything is set, right? It's the, it's the, it's the run, throw, and train method, right? You tune it, you adjust the relief, you adjust the action, you set the intonation, and then the nut uh, is uh, what's last. Is the, So the nut is the thing you adjust last. So we're, uh, when I say make uh, changes to your nut on that guitar, I'm assuming you've hit every other thing, and now you're at the last step. So again, the train method would apply here. Um, Nathan's got a question. Oh, Nathan says, uh, when is a backlog a good thing and when is it a bad thing? And and I'm sure what Nathan's talking about a backlog is a backlog of product uh, when people are ordering product. Um, when is it a good thing? Well, it's a good thing. Think of it this way. It's a good thing because obviously if a company has a backlog, in other words, they're trying to catch up to orders. Uh, it's a good thing because there's orders, which means there's guaranteed work. And that's nice. And there's a rule that usually you can follow. There's a percentage of backlog that falls off. In other words, uh, no company, who, if they have a backlog, let's say 3000 guitars, let's just throw a number out there. And they have 3000 guitars that they have to, to build on a backlog. Um, they know there's a percentage of those that actually will get canceled. You know what I mean? But the the rule, just like a lot of things, is it's a lot better to take more, more orders than you can fill because you want to be at capacity. So to answer your question, when is a backlog a good thing? Well, it's a good thing because it keeps you at capacity and that helps uh, pay the employees, pay the bills and keep sure that the, the, the factory's running okay and the guitar building and building. When is it a bad thing? Well, it's only a bad thing if the backlog gets so far behind that you have, uh, uh, you know, is it scalping? I guess that's what you call it. You got people buying your instruments or products, pedals. We see this with the King of Tone where the weight is more than what people want to make. Our weight is longer than what people want to wait. So they start charging more for used than new. That helps. And the re or that hurts. And the reason that's a problem is because now you're a manufacturer and you're competing with yourself uh, with, with secondhand sellers. Um, that's not a good 
a good thing. Um, and it's a bad thing because again, it, it burns customers out, but keep in mind, you know, I'm of the, the adage that as long as people want it, that's all that matters. I've always said this. It doesn't matter if it's too expensive. It doesn't matter if it's hard to get. It matters if people want it. And why? And I used to say that at the store. Nathan probably remember saying that, right? Uh, you know, I don't care if people can't afford it. If you can't afford it, you'll find a way. You can save up for it. You can finance it. You can trade for it. You can uh, put it on layaway. You can sell a bunch of your stuff. You can work extra hours on the job. I'm not saying it's it's that easy. I'm just saying it's possible if you want it. If you don't want it, it doesn't matter. Right. So I'm talking about as a retailer or as a manufacturer. So if no one wants the product, it doesn't matter if it's cheap. Right. Because no one wants it. Right. Uh, you know, I'm sure right now I can get a VCR for about three dollars, but no one wants one. So it doesn't matter. They can get one for three bucks. Although you can imagine when VCRs were a thing, a three dollar VCR would have been amazing at the time. Right. So that's what I'm saying is that if it's so it's important that people want it. So as long as the backlog does not cause any dissonance in the in the consumer mentality to say, Hey, I'm, I'm done with this. I don't want it. Um, and I'm sure that could happen. You know what I mean? You get people get burnt out. Um, let's see. Uh, what else? Um, The Ken Hall says, Phil, stay safe from the Corona. Yes. You know, you know, uh, this is those of us, this is different in the idea that it's a different time with all this weird stuff going on and closures and weird stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I reminded my wife, I'll, I'll remind you all again, I'm not not downplaying anything, I'm just giving you some two cents on something to think about. To me, the H1N1 uh, flu in 2009 was not only a crazy flu to worry about, um, but we had a recession. And the reason I remember that is because I remember, and, and Nathan's watching right now. He might remember this Remember this in 2009. I don't remember if you were at the store in 2009. I don't think you were yet. Um, but what's funny was, I remember I was at the store one day and, you know, it's 2009. The recession's pummeling the, the retail market still. And I remember going to the grocery store and they were out of hand sanitizer because we needed it because it if we didn't have hand sanitizer in the rooms, and on the counters, uh, everybody's a little freaked out, you know, because this flu was going around. And so we went there and it was out and uh, tissues were out. And I remember coming back to the store mad going, I go in the middle of recession, I guess the people who sell hand sanitizer and tissues are going to make a fortune. And uh, I was like, you know, wrong business guitars, huh? And so same thing today. Like I said, uh, I've, I've sat through this in a recession and, and, uh, 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 you know, so I'm not saying this is nothing. I'm just saying uh, I've been through this before. Um, yeah, ER says been through SARS, MERS, swine flu, etc. Well, swine flu was H1N1. Uh, you know, uh, I was talking to a friend today and he reminded me that the, uh, that the pork, the, I don't know what is the pork association. They were the ones that they, they, they lobbied to get the swine flu changed to H1N1 cause it was killing, you know, pork sales. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, again, it's not, it's not that, um, it's not, not you know, not a big deal. It's just you know, like I said, you, you do, you go through, you, like I said, make a checklist of things you need to do. Make sure yourself and your family are safe. Make sure you make uh, the best decisions you can make good choices are always a good thing. And then, but, uh, and then like I said, and then, and then tomorrow we wake up and then there's another day. That's how it works every day. Um, I've been through enough horrible stuff in my life. Uh, like crazy horrible stuff that just 
you know, you know, so, I mean, I'm not saying it's uh, what I'm saying is uh, not that that makes it to where horrible stuff doesn't bother me anymore. It makes it to where I understand that that's horrible stuff happens. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Raymond says he has a horror, uh, a super chat uh, before this, uh, the show started. Let's see. I got them all penned right now. Hold on a second. Uh, let me do BK. BK says, thank God it's Friday. TGF favorite telebridge bridge pickup. Stay safe. Uh, you know, it's, you know, I used to been, I've been saying, uh, that it was my, um, Billy Gibbons pickup, but right now I'm really in love with that. Uh, the, uh, Lindy frail and blues telly set, but so, you know, <laughs> so, you know, I, that's what the whole point of the, uh, the, the Somnium guitar is, is so that when these questions come, instead of just saying, Hey, I've heard this and it's great. I want to know, I want to be able to try all these pickups and know, and I have so many telly pickups right now, uh, going through them. Cause what I'm trying to do, so you guys know, is not, not just be able to say, this is the best pickup and this is not, that's, that's impossible. What I'm trying to give a reference of is one thing I, I, I know uh, that it, that is true. Uh, working on guitars. It has nothing to do with collecting guitars or owning the store and selling all those guitars or, you know, uh, you being a YouTuber or whatever that means. Physically working my hands on guitars for years has taught me how to detect a cheap and a, and a, and a nice guitar. I mean, cheap, don't, I mean, inexpensive. I mean, bad quality, bad quality guitars. When you work on anything, if you're, if you have a craft, if you're a craftsman of any kind, you can tell bad workmanship, you know, right. Um, you know, whether you're an electrician or you're a plumber or you're a mechanic, you can see somebody's bad workmanship. There's, there's this, there's actually a weird sense that you get. And it's like, I call it, I, I don't even call it anything. I'm gonna call some right now. I'm going to call it, let's say one, two, three, I just figured it out. In other words, like you see something, you go, that doesn't look right. You see nothing goes, that's, that's weird. And then you see the third thing. It's always the, to me, it's always the third thing that you go, all right, whoever did this, didn't know what they were doing or didn't care. And it's probably usually the latter. They didn't care. And uh, you get a sense of that. And so when I, when people ask me questions on the, on the uh, YouTube channel, which has been, uh, you know, very, um, very consistent. I feel when people ask me about questions about instruments, I don't really try to give you like the, Oh, I love strats. And I, I don't like, you know, humbuckers, you know, style guitars as much. I don't try to give you that ad attitude. I try to give you like the, here's my experience with this one. Here's what I've learned about this one. Here's the overall, what I've sensed about these. I want to have that same ability for pickups right now. I've tried so many pickups, but I can't really tell you, um, quantifiably like, um, you know, what your pickups right now. So, you know, what I'm doing is I'm actually not even testing brands of pickups. I'm actually testing magnets and pickups. Um, in fact, uh, you can, I don't know if you can see behind me in the, uh, Somnium guitar. There's only one pickup. I'm sorry. I keep moving my head guys. Let's do that on the Somnium guitar behind me. You can see there's only one cartridge in the bridge. Uh, there is. And right now what I have is a ton of humbuckers and here's, what's really cool. They're all different kinds of uh, humbuckers with the same exact, um, the same types of windings, but different magnet types. And I'm experimenting with that. I'm just curious to see how much that has effect. I know all this stuff has effect, but I'm really trying to quantify it in an experience, not in a theory, you know, like, a, oh yeah, I can definitely tell where this happens. I'm very, uh, like I said, I learned something, uh, I'm going on a tirade, but I should tell you guys, I'm very shocked because I'm already discovering things about myself that doesn't make sense. I've, I've always said certain things because of my experiences with guitars and now just experiencing pickups and not guitars, just pickups. I'm now kind of going, well, maybe I don't really 
think I was hearing what I was hearing, or maybe that's not what it was doing. You know what I mean? Now that it's just, just the pickup. So there you go. So on the Telebridge pickup, favorite one, uh, probably, uh, right now it's that Lindy Fraylin blues. And I think I have the, Fend- the Lindy Fraylin blues, uh, rat. It's 5%. It's called the 5% wound extra 5%. Very cool pickup, but don't run out and get one yet because I still have more testing to do on that. Uh, so reason I say also testing is I'm also testing inexpensive pickups because I'm trying to compare this to one thing I've, I mentioned earlier on the show that I re- never really talked about the fact that I wind pickups. That's the reason why I don't talk about that. One thing I've always had a trouble with winding pickups is a lot of manufacturers, uh, a lot of builders build pickups, uh, you know, all over the world and they are really cool dudes. I've met so many of them. Some of them are very talented, but it's always crazy to me how you can buy an inexpensive pickup. Um, I can buy pickups complete and I don't even mean from, you know, China stuff. I'm just talking about pickups complete from overseas, like Korea. You can buy pickups complete cheaper than you can buy components to make the pickup. And I understand the, the economy scale and all that stuff. I'm just saying it's so it's interesting. So we'll have more to talk about it. So it's been fun. Uh, okay. So back to the, the Roman question. Roman says 400 T style guitar with HB in the bridge, humbucker in the bridge and S in the neck. So the question, so what do I think of that? Well, uh, it's funny when you say a T style guitar, I'm assuming it's telly style guitar. Uh, I'm assuming. Uh, so anyways, uh, T style guitar, telly style guitar with a humbucker in the bridge and a single coil in the neck. I actually like the opposite. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I like the humbucker in the neck and the single coil in the bridge. Um, and I, I think it's just cause I like the, the fullness of the neck pickup and, and, um, I like the punch of the Telecaster bridge pickup, the single coil in the bridge. But, um, I like, I like what you're, you know, I like, no, I, I was going to say, I like, I like all kinds of styles of pickups and guitars to some degree, but I'm talking about preferences. I prefer humbucker in the neck and, and the and the single coil in the bridge is my preference. So, um, let's see. SG Flying V says, "Oh, uh, so he's talking about SD Dino Sarez." Uh, retribution pickups. I'm assuming his SD means somewhere Seymour Duncan. Dino Sarza's Retribution, Retribution, Retribution. Say that twice fast. Pickups. Tried them. Uh, thoughts. I don't think I've tried them. I, I, you know, I've tried you know most of the Seymour Duncan catalog, and um, but not those. So I don't know. I don't know if that'll get on the list. The 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 way I have, I have so many pickups coming in and so many pickups here already, and it's really cool. And uh, but you know, uh, I mean, my goal is everything. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to stop. I want to go until I've tried everything, at least to see, you know what I mean? To the point where you get, you're going to get to a point where it's, you get paralysis of this stuff. You're like, ah, I just get sick of it, but I'm, I'm far away from that. Um, JBN 12 says best acoustic electric guitar for $500, give or take. And are you familiar with Sire acoustic guitars? Uh, Sire acoustic guitars are, uh, guitars i'm familiar with them in the i've seen them online but i don't think i've ever picked one up and physically played one um best acoustic electric guitars for 500 i really still like orangewood i still like yamaha um and i'm trying to think who else for 500 bucks that i really like oh man uh, definitely arts and luthery that's one to check out I, although i don't know if they have an electric acoustic for 500 bucks um, I have an arts and luthery acoustic without electronics that I love. I think you picked that up for about 500 bucks, but that's, uh, I've not Siegel. And again, in the range, uh, different Siegel's different because it's different woods, but I still like them. Those are my three favorites. Uh, I'll stick with those. 
Um, hmm. Goat Bucket says, if you could be a touring guitar tech with any guitar player, living or dead, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a good question. Let me sip on some water. I got my Know Your Gear mug. Is that a product placement thing? I don't know. I just wearing my professional guitar pointer shirt too. I guess I'm all swagged up today. I didn't really notice <laughs> until I was staring at myself right now. At least you guys know I buy my own merch. There you go. So nah, there, I buy my own merch. Um, what else? Oh, the the question. The question: Who would I who would I want a guitar tech for as guitar as a guitar player? Um, that's a really interesting question um, because sadly enough, all my favorite guitar players would never play anywhere cool enough to want to tech with them. In other words, they they don't play big, huge arenas. Um, and I wouldn't want to. I would really want to tech for somebody who I really really appreciate. So. I would do Monty Montgomery because, as you guys know, I'm a huge Monty Montgomery fan. I, I Gary Hoey because I'm a Gary Hoey fan. Uh, Bob Schneider because I'm a huge Bob Schneider fan. Uh, who else? Uh, Biffy Clyro. I would I would tour for them. I'd tour for Bowling for Soup or Tech for Bowling for Soup. You know what's sad is it's a horrible it's a horrible answer because I don't think I'd pick anyone necessarily. Like, oh, I would be nice to, to work on their guitars. Funny, it's that's the way I think of this is. I would want to tech for bands I really like because I have to listen to it every night. Um, not so much guitars I would love to touch, you know what I mean, and work on. So, but great question. But yeah, I would probably pick all the bands I really like. So, okay, refreshed. And what else are we going? How are we doing on time? We're doing great on time. It's great this week. I have literally no, uh, no, I wrote nothing down. I wanted to be free form today. So, uh, cause like I said, I was trying to stay busy with projects and doing stuff and I have a lot of content coming out. You know, C Bur Burgess has a question that I don't know if I can answer. So I'm going to take a shot at it, but I really like, especially on the replay of anyone watching this to try to take a shot of this. What is the most consistent and best playing guitar brand under $250? That is a tough question because because uh, here's why first of all guitars under 250 dollars are not consistent um that is why I, I what i feel i've always felt this way that the more expensive a guitar is it's obviously should be getting better but more importantly it should be getting more consistent an expensive guitar should i'm not saying it does should mean more hands-on time on the instrument we know you can take and run a cnc machine and zip out a neck and a body slap it together paint it real fast and ship it out we understand that the time it takes to put their hands making sure it's sanded properly buffed properly uh the frets are addressed you know what i mean uh, everything is done right and then qa correctly takes time work hours it, so it takes people and work hours to make an instrument right so what I've experienced constantly is guitars, especially $250 and below and $200 and below specifically, but we'll say $250 now with inflation, $250, it's not that they're not good. I think you can find, when somebody goes to me and goes, I have a $200 guitar, it's as good as a $3,000 guitar. I go, absolutely, I've seen it, I've played it, I know it exists. But if we wanted to bet $100 cash, I could take three $3,000 guitars and you could take three $250 guitars. And I guarantee you those three $3,000 guitars will be more consistently good than your $250 guitar. 
And then, and of course, the bigger the sample size we get, the bigger I'll win the the vet. So if I did twenty three thousand dollar guitars and you did twenty two hundred fifty dollar guitars, I, you're going to see more issues, uh, you know, with the guitars. So, um, and again, I, that's just I think that's I think that's well, I think that's right. How about that? Um, so, and I don't think you have to buy a three thousand dollar guitar to get consistency. I'm just saying, you know, five hundred dollars, it's going to get more consistent. So, uh, back to two hundred fifty dollar guitars that are that are good. That are so to me, it's consistency. What you're talking about, which is tricky. Um, I don't know because I can't think of a brand that I've, I've. I mean, most of most of the stuff I physically touch that's under 250 bucks, where I've touched thousands of them, are Squires, and they're not consistent. They're probably more consistent than off brands. When people tell me like I can buy a, a off brand like a Harley Benton or a Firefly or a uh uh you know uh sx or we can go all day with all the you know brands you know just picture all your off brands you know and um they're just as good if not better than squire i agree although i would tell you again sample size if we took a thousand of those guitars and a thousand squires uh fender is able to demand a higher consistency out of the squires than those companies will give you again doesn't mean it's better i'm just saying you know i mean if we're going on sample size so um, I'm going to say consistency is probably going to be sadly enough, best two, $250 guitars with consistency is going to be probably whoever's making the largest amount of them, uh, will be the most consistent because they, again, they can kind of put the, the weight of their buying power on the factory to make sure that happens. So companies like Squire will probably have a, a, a thing on that, um, a, you know, some kind of power on that. I'm interested to hear your thoughts though, because I, I know a lot of you out there, I'd like to know which one's the that you've done Harley Benton's been really good as a consistency. As you guys know, you know, I, I, I put my hands on a few of those. I know it's like a YouTuber brand. Every YouTuber talks about Harley Benton. Um, and, uh, you know, all I can tell you is I've only reviewed, I've only physically reviewed one acoustic from Harley Benton, uh, one cabinet and one electric. So that's all I've ever reviewed from Harley Benton. I had another electric, as you guys know, but it was, it was broken. It was damaged in shipping. So I've never reviewed any and I've never been paid by Harley Benton. So, uh, I understand I went to the Tolman event, but Tolman and Harley Benton, at least the way they explained to me was separate. So, uh, Harley Benton is like, I understand it's owned by Tolman, but that's like Jackson's owned by Fender, but you don't talk to the Fender guys about Jackson. You talk to the Jackson guys. So it's different, but, um, and, and I wasn't paid by Harley Benton either. They, they just, well, technically they paid for my flight to go to that event and, and, uh, hang out, but I wasn't asked to do anything and I didn't have to produce anything for them. So I tried it. But so what I'm saying is, is I have no reason to have any loyalty towards Harley Benton is what I'm saying. And they've never asked for it, by the way, which is very cool. I, I really enjoy companies who in, want to work with YouTube channels, but not have any agendas or, you know, they're just like, it's crazy to me. So, you know, it's one of the things I like about this the gig is that sometimes it's crazy when I read an email from a company. It's like, hey, we want you to do this and it's whatever you want to do. Just go for it. And I think, well, of course, I'm going to do that. That's a crazy, cool thing to ask. Uh, imagine if you guys, if you would, if your company said all of a sudden at your job said, hey, tomorrow, come in and do whatever you want, but we'll pay you. And, you know, hopefully you'll do something that makes sense for us. You'd be like, sure, <laughs> I'll do that. Um, but Okay, so Bill, uh, Bill's on. Hey, Bill, what's up, buddy? Uh, Bill says, I meant to say in your pop testing. Wait, oh, sorry, I had a question. I jumped. Bill says, Are you or would you add acoustic sound holes, hole pickups, sing humbucker? Okay, wait, and now he's clarifying. He says, I meant to say in your pickup testing, 
would I add acoustic? No, no, not right now, uh, Bill. Because uh, I got to stay focused on the uh, the magnetic acoustic uh, or magnetic electric guitar pickups. This is already a, a big enough process. So you guys know, uh, patrons probably saw this. I sent them. I'm just telling you guys this so you guys know what I'm going through. I sent the patrons one. I did before the uh, Fishman video came out. I did three videos that were all just unusable. And they were long process, full day recordings. And I sent one to the patrons just to let them know like what you go through sometimes when you're doing this stuff, a new idea, you know, trying to test pickups and trying to get, you know, a a message conveyed, which is, you know, how does this sound? How does it work? And it was just horrific. Uh, So the pickup thing, I think I got it dialed in now, but at first it was a, it was a disaster. Um. Warren five says you're the best a Korean fan out here. Stay safe. Thank you, buddy. Uh, uh, I'm glad to hear it. You know, uh, I heard, uh, Korea's like doing one of the, where they're one of the best countries right now with the, uh, with the coronavirus. So I hope that's true. I hope that's going great for you guys. Um, Michael did a super chat for no reason. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that very much. Raymond, uh, Raymond says, mint, do you know a brand that sells that configuration? Oh, uh, oh, uh, a Telecaster, a, a four like a four hundred dollar Telecaster, or I'll just say t- Telecaster style guitar with a single or a humbucker and then a single coil in the neck. Hmm. Um. It always seems backwards, right? I'm th- I was going to say G and L, but uh, even in the in the import style, but I think the humbuckers in the neck and the single coils in the bridge. Mm, I can't think one. Usually they're humbucker humbucker. Isn't that crazy? Now you think about it, you said that I've never thought about that before. That usually on a telecaster, if it's a humbucker single, it's a single on the bridge and a humbucker in the neck, or it's humbucker, humbucker, or single single. Hmm. I can't think of one. I can't think of a telecaster. I mean, I'm sure there's a model out there somewhere, but I can't think of one that sticks out in my head that I've seen in recent years. Uh William says, any experience with VVT amps, vintage vacuum tube? a builder in Maryland that are made to order hand wired. I have not, I have not heard of them, but I will put a link to them vintage vacuum tubes so I can check them out after I index this. Um, always interested to try out and see something new. It's always exciting. BK says one more. How, how good guitar is the Somnium? I would buy one if I knew it is a good guitar, not just a pickup testing tool. Cheers. Very, very good question. So, this is, uh, th- if you guys caught this, how it works is, uh, you know, Somnium makes the guitar body and the module system, and all that stuff. And another guitar company, uh, in Virginia makes the next. So, uh, the interesting part of that is you understand this is a very small company. Mark is the owner. Um, my guess is if you call them and talk to them, you're going to talk to Mark. So, um, you know, be aware of that, that, uh, that's good. Cause you get to talk to the owner, but also be aware of the fact that, you know, He's only got so much time because it's like, a you know, one guy, but he's, he's de- definitely a great guy. But, um, what I can tell you on my guitar is he is very accommodating, uh, with the, uh, the type of instrument. In other words, you know, um, so it's, you can specify your neck. Somebody was asking me about like the neck th- thicknesses and stuff. And I was saying, well, mine's obviously, like I said, it feels more like the American professional, just a little thinner and flatter on the neck, but very like that neck. I have American professional guitar at two of them and the necks almost feel identical. Almost, you know, the Somnium's a little, little thinner. Um, but I'm sure that can also be addressed if that's something you wish. Uh, if you called them up and said, Hey, I want the neck a little thinner, a little thicker, I'm sure it could be accommodated. 
I don't know. Please don't uh, quote me on that. You know what I mean? Because uh, I'm, but I got the impression they do custom work as well. Quality of the guitar is very good. Uh, they really seem to go to great lengths. And so what I mean by that is there's a lot of things about the guitar that I think the quality is probably more than it needs to be. For instance, like one of the things they do that's really cool is uh, they do the um, epoxy uh, body where they take the body and they rub epoxy in it and then they sand it and they do all stuff. Then they primer it and paint it and do all stuff. And it's just really cool that they're taking a lot of time to make sure the body's right. Uh, picking out a good piece of wood. The neck was the Cortison fl uh, flame maple, which is really cool. The rosewood's a nice dark piece. Uh, everybody seems to be picking out really good stuff. Um, overall quality of the guitar is very good. Um, I can't say it's like the best guitar I've ever played. Uh, Cause like I said, I think, well, like I said, I, th I think that, that holds for just a couple companies that seem to have a, a skill set just above everybody else. But is it on par with what Fender's putting out? I think so. Um, the one thing I can tell you about the Somnium guitar that may be helpful is that obviously I needed it. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't need it, but I wanted it because of the pickup testing videos and uh, you know to have this kind of new ability on the channel that I thought would be fun. What I will say that shocked me was. I went in this with this mentality of, oh, I have these great guitars and this will be this guitar I test pickups on. You know, uh, 10 minutes before this video started, this live show, that's the guitar I was playing, the Somnium. I keep playing that guitar. I play the guitar a lot. I, I can't say it's my number one guitar right now, but it's definitely number three. And that's something to say in my guitar collection because, and, and it's not because I'm in the honeymoon mode because it's not a guitar I bought because I was like, oh, can't wait to get a Somnium guitar. I just wanted it for the functionality um, and it's slowly winning me over. So it's not just a good playing guitar. It's a good sounding guitar as well. It's really interesting. It's a really interesting guitar. I, I, I got nothing good, but good things to say. The only thing I can say cautionary to warn you about, I really, I really, really love the quality. I really love the quality of, like I said, these mechanisms. I really like uh, the, the, the vibe of it. It's a small company. It's a U.S. company. They're keeping as much stuff in the U.S. as possible, which is really cool too. The one thing I will tell you though, is if you don't think you're going to need a modular type guitar, you know, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I think the idea of the modular guitar, obviously for what I'm doing for videos makes sense, but also I think a lot of people address this in that video. It's great for gigging musicians. It's great for somebody who wants to take a couple guitars with them on the road real fast. It's great for a studio musician who wants a lot of sounds. Um, but ultimately, here's what I can tell you a funny story. Let me share a fun story. Things that I didn't think would that I couldn't predict. A couple weeks ago, Ralph came over and on a Saturday and my wife and her mother went somewhere. I forget where they went. They went running errands. And me and him were just hanging out at the house and we got bored. There was nothing to do. And we were waiting because we knew we had a couple hours before they got back and we were going to barbecue and a couple other people were coming over. And so me and Ralph decided out of nowhere to go to music stores and see if we could just find some random pickups to shove in this guitar. We ended up buying three pickups. One pickup a store just gave us, which is funny because it was a DiMaggio. They just gave it to us because they had it laying, laying around. Another store sold us a Seymour Duncan for $5. And another store sold us a, um, what was it? It was a, oh, uh, uh, Joe Barden pickup for $20. So for $25, we bought three pickups. We bought them back to the house. We plugged them in the guitar and played them, got to check them out. It was one of the funnest days I've ever had. It cost $25. <laughs> and it was crazy because we just got to check them out. And really what's funny was it was, you could say, well, who needs that? I, I don't think we needed it, but it was just crazy to have this guitar that allowed us to do something like that. Try these different pickups and see something. Um, 
which is very interesting. It was very, really cool. Um, so I don't know. Share that story with you. Uh, what else do we got? Let's do some non super chat questions real quick. Um, give me a second and the super chats don't hold, just hold tight. I'll be with you in one second. Um, what else do we have? Yeah. Uh, great Van Z said, dang, what a deal. Well, it was funny because it, it you realize like we, I slowly realized, in fact, that's what I didn't know was going to happen for this video challenge. I've gotten tons of pickups because there's a lot of, there's a lot of pickups just laying around places. And at first you're like, who would buy a pickup, a random pickup? Um, the Joe Barton, we weren't sure. Uh, it was a Joe Barton at that time, I think. Uh, and, uh, no, it was the DiMaggio. We weren't sure it's the DiMaggio. It wasn't labeled correctly and we weren't sure. And so they just like, Hey, take this. <laughs> and that's, what's really funny. And so we got to try something. And uh, like I said, I've already learned a couple things. Like maybe I don't like the pickups. I think I like as much as I do because maybe I like the guitars that those pickups are in. So there you go. It's an interesting, it's been an interesting experience. Um, what else? Uh, Gray's guitar says, why do my strings keep slipping out of my Floyd Rose special? Uh, when you say slipping out, I'm assuming you mean out of the block, out of the bridge. Uh, the couple things about that. First of all, you could have, there's little, there's little blocks that go into those inserts where the strings go. And there's a hole drilled on one side and the screw goes into that and it has to line up perfectly. Sometimes, uh, they don't, they're not in the hole correctly. Sometimes that the bottom of that cracks off, it's real cheap and it's not the, the block isn't, uh, lining up real quick. So do yourself a favor, take, if you're having that trouble, go ahead, take, loosen all the strings, take them out, take all the blocks out, inspect all of them, make sure they're right and reinsert them the correct way. So that the, so that the hole is at the bottom facing towards the screw, the back screws, the adjustments. Um, if you have any damaged ones, good time to buy some, you can buy them online, super cheap. Just get a set of six, uh, online, you know, all parts, Amazon, wherever you get them. Uh, I, I just, I usually buy mine from all parts and, uh, and then put new ones in there. If uh, that's all okay and everything's fine, then I would just replace those out anyways and get some new ones, some better ones, some better quality ones. Uh, and that might solve the problem. That, it, But my experience, if they're slipping out, it's because the clamp isn't giving you 100% contact anymore. It's some kind of weird, the string is only getting the, the, the top of it and it's just, it's not enough, not enough there. It's misaligned or worn out. Especially on those, more inexpensive style Floyd Rose. Uh, okay, let me do, or hold on real quick. Let me refresh this screen. And Craig just said coffee time. Thank you, Craig. I appreciate that. The uh, Sean says, you bass D string is spinning. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's, we already talked about that, Sean. It's not, it's the, um, the ceiling fans reflecting off of it, but, or is it? <laughs> no, it is. It's reflecting off. It actually looks cool. Maybe I, maybe that's a new effect I should have in the background. Like one of those twirlers on, you know, like a sail on the street. I'm not old. I'm vintage. He says, that's a great title. Our name. We talked about this before. I'm not old. I'm vintage says if I take the not lacquer off my neck, I'll make sure I clarify this before I go on. Okay. Often, of off the neck of my American fenders 
how much am I hurting the value? One of them is a limited edition parallel universe. Okay. So, um, so I understand. So if you take, uh, the finish off the neck, uh, how much you're hurting the value you're hurting the value. Um, unfortunately, uh, it's, it's, it's not even a vintage, uh, issue like a vintage guitar. It's a guitar like that. It's cause it's not vintage. If I can tell you right now, if I was on, uh, well, let me put it this way. Um, remember I was telling you about non-marring modifications. I just experienced that in real life. Um, there was an Ibanez AZ guitar I was, I was watching on uh, Reverb, and this is about last week, and the buyer was asking $1,500 for it, and that was a really good deal for the model. And uh, anyways, what happened was I was like, wow, I was like, wow, that's a really good deal. And then I looked, and it see he added aftermarket tuning keys. Um, of course, he had to drill new holes and put the new, new tuning keys in. They look like they're installed correctly. He plugged the old holes, uh, so it's not horrible. And uh, but, anyways, I can I was not no longer interested. It's been modified, and again, like anybody, like you was sanding that neck. No one's going to know how well you did that. Did you know what you're doing? Um, and and then I saw he had to lower the price, and even more like thirteen fifty. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that. But it's because of that. When you modify your instruments, especially nice high end guitars, um, you are going to hurt the value which is why I constantly say on the Sharp My Axe videos and all these other videos, I call it non-marring modifications. If you're going to modify your guitars, you should do it in a way that it can be put back or that it doesn't permanently change the instrument because it doesn't devalue them. It's up to you. I, you know, The only the only uh, advice I can give you is some players are like, they don't care. They're going to play the guitar and you're, you know, you're going to love it. Um, me, I will tell you this. I have been on the fence with guitars like that. Uh, not the parallel universe, but a guitar where I'm like, man, I really want to do something to the neck or modify it a little bit. And it's because I feel like if I modify it, I'll love it. And here's my, here's my advice. And I've said this a thousand times and I'll say it a thousand more. If you love that guitar, then you, maybe you should modify it to be better. If you think you will love that guitar, if you modify it, don't modify it. It's time for it to go. Because what happens is every time you think you're going to make an instrument that you don't love into something you love, you're probably taking a chance. It's not going to happen. And then you're down that creek. So that'd be my advice. If you're not in love with that instrument, don't make yourself love it. Just it's time to, you know, move along, get something else. Nothing wrong with that. Um, or wait it out. Sometimes you learn to love it too. But that would be my advice. I would not sand that neck if, if it was me. If it was me. So um, there you go. Uh, let's see. The, I can't say the name. The Federinko, the Federinko, 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 the Federinko. So, um, but we're quick. I gotta say hi. Patrick McGarry is my buddy. Pat says, happy Friday the 13th. Is it Friday the 13th? That's cool. Check out, uh, your bass tuning key. I know. Maybe that's because it's Friday the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> okay so anyway sorry the federico says would you recommend a decent multi-effects pedal or a few single coil pedals um now i'm assuming because you're saying it that way starting out um in today's day and age i would definitely recommend getting a multi-effects pedal first dirt cheap get one of these dirt cheap ones man they are everywhere you can find a decent uh, uh multi-effects pedal for 
pennies on the dollar. Uh, you know, and I would recommend getting the best one you can. I, you know, I like the line six M13, M9, and M5s. The M9 would be great to get into, you know, multi effects unit for pedals. Some of the zoom stuff's pretty cool. You could get some of this stuff for 50 bucks, 30 bucks. I saw a Digitech pedal the other day, multi effects. I'm not saying it was good, but it was $10 and it worked perfectly. It was at a store. The store was selling for $10. I think it was $12. But anyway, same thing. My point is, if you're trying to get into effects, uh, uh, you know, getting single effects is a great way because you can build on that. But if you just you know, dabble in it, get yourself a little multiprocessor. Dirt cheap, something super cheap. Get in there, mess with those effects, and then that will tell you which effects you should buy. Because otherwise, if you buy pedals, you're going to just go blind and just go buying like, okay, here's an overdrive and here's a flanger and here's a phaser. And you don't know, know what you're, you know, you know what you like where the multi-effects pedal will have everything. And although everything might not be great, it at least give you a taste of it. And to be honest with you, you know, I, I don't want to say not great because that's not even true. I mean, people gig out with pedals that, you know, some of us go, oh, that pedal's not great. And then literally some people gig out in you know, play that, that same pedal all the time. So that's what I would recommend for something like that. Something very easy like that. Uh, I'm, I don't understand this question. <laughs> I can't read it because I don't understand it. Um, the question was why so much vans? Aren't they too wide for a pedal board? Uh, you, I think it means because I wear a lot of vans. I don't think they're too wide for pedal boards. Um, I think vans are very narrow. I don't know. So I don't know. I hope I understand the question. I like vans. Y you're going to find over time that a lot of answers to a lot of uh, dumb questions were uh, not that, that your question was dumb. I'm saying like the questions in the world, uh, like why artists do things. It's never because of any other reason than it's just what they like. So, um, Dimebag Daryl was asked, you know, one time, what, what's the, you know, that Dean guitar, the ML, why he liked it so much? And he's like, ah, Kiss had one. It was just cool. Like, literally, that was the first logic. Uh, for me, a lot of stuff is just as simple as that. Like, I like the way it looks. So I use that. <laughs> so vans are one of those things. I just like the way they look. Um, actually, that's not even true. I should say that. I should actually just th say this funny. I wear vans because when I was a kid, uh, I wanted vans. And uh, I don't have a story where, you know, my mom was too poor and she couldn't buy me good shoes. Uh, it was it was different than that. What happened was my mom would take me to get good shoes, but she wouldn't buy vans because to her vans look cheap. <laughs> so she was thinking, you know, if you're going to spend 60 bucks on shoes or 70 bucks on shoes. So what actually the irony of this was she would pay, you know, $70, you know, in the in the, you know, in the 90s for a pair of Reeboks that looked more expensive than she would for $50 for a pair of vans. Um, and, uh, so there's no like boohoo story there other than the fact that it was like the irony of it was I would walk around with shoes going, I wish I had the other cheaper shoes cause I thought they were cooler. Right. So, and I didn't understand the logic and what happened was I actually had the same, I had the same thing that I saw in an interview with Paul McCartney and he was explaining that he never played a Fender P bass because he said they were too expensive, even though he was, you know, a millionaire. Um, one day, uh, gosh, I want to say, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking a long time ago. I'm talking about 2002. Nope. It's probably 2004, 2004. 
I was in the mall and I thought I should buy a pair of Vans. I'm like, oh, they're too expensive. And I go, wait a minute, I could buy Vans. I'm an adult. <laughs> so I went and bought Vans and now we're Vans. That's why we're Vans. It's the dumbest reason ever. Just because it's like, uh, maybe you guys will, you know, maybe people understand, but that's why I, I wear Vans. I wear Vans, not because they're cool. Uh, not because of any other reason than it's this thing. That's like, I, I did this, you know, I got something that I wanted when I was a kid, I guess. And now I just have, uh, let's see. AJ me says, what is your strategy for managing the frequency of string changes across the entire collection? I'm lucky enough to have 15 and it always seems like the one I want to play has dead strings. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting question. Uh, I like that question. Thank you, AJ. Cause, uh, that's one of those questions I always thought that's uh, sometimes when I'm hanging out with my buddies, I talk about this live show going, I can't understand why they don't answer, ask me certain questions. And that's one of the questions I never thought I, I made a comment, uh, probably about seven months ago. I said, why does anyone ask that? So yeah, when you have a large collection of guitars, how do you handle the string issues? Well, here's how I do my restringing on my guitars. Like I've said before, I do I use different string gauges for guitars. But what's interesting is um, I use, uh, for strings, I'm pretty straightforward. I use the Dario, the Dario, the Dario 9s or 10s or Stringjoy 9s or 10s. Those are the two brands I like. I really like, and, and for the same reason, by the way, I like both owners. I like Jim and John Didario. They've been super cool to me. It has nothing to do with being a YouTuber. I've never even met them since I've been on YouTube. I used to meet them from the store. Um, and um, and uh, 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 Scott at Stringjoy, same thing. When you meet somebody who's passionate about what they do and they're cool what they do, you, you tend to like them. So that's why I like the strings. The, gr the strings are good, and I like the people. So I play those two uh, two types of strings. Those are, those are the, pretty much the only two strings I play. But... But uh, what I do that's different is a guitar that I don't play often. I know, I, I know. Like that Vi, uh, gem, uh, gem behind me. I, I'm not going to play that Vi very much. Um, it's a it's a vintage, I guess we could say vintage. It's a real, you know, floral gem. Um, so if I have a guitar that I know I don't, I'm gonna, not going to play in the first place, coated strings. That's I'm not into coated strings. Uh, some of you guys love them. Some people hate them. I'm of the, I don't like them. They're not my thing but I use coded strings on every guitar that I know I'm not going to play. So if I have a guitar that I know that won't go in rotation, that'll, that I bought it like that gym because it was like, you know, I just, you know, got it, got my hands on it. I'm not going to let go of it now, but it's not going to be a daily player. I put coded strings on there because uh, the opposite. Some people use coded strings because they, you know, they stay fresh longer. I, uh, you know, when they're playing, I, I use them because they stay fresh longer when you don't play them. In other words, when I pick up a guitar that's six months old, coded strings going to feel the same, especially since coded strings that, you know, I've, I've talked about this before. The downfall of coded strings is, is that coded strings uh, when you play them, you're chipping off the coating. You're wearing the coating off. So it wears off over time. It just takes longer and it's, you know, than, than having no coating at all. But uh, when you don't play the guitar, it's the opposite. It's going to be totally sealed. So it's going to be great. So I use, um, uh, I use uh, uh, coated strings on guitars I don't play very often. And then I use my regular strings on the guitars I play more often. And uh, sadly enough, sadly uh, which I've said this many times before, uh, I am many things like all of us, a lot of us watching, you know, some of us are fathers, some of us are, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, cops, 
<laughs> whatever you do, your day job, right? Uh, you know, um, so you have different hats and different roles and uh, roles that you play in your life. Um, so obviously, and you have different things. And one of the hats I wear, one of the things I am as a collector, I'm a collector. I repair guitars. That's one role I, you know, that, but I'm a guitar player, but I'm also a guitar collector. So what I mean by that is, um, sadly enough, I, like I've said this many times, only three or four of my entire collection, three, or four guitars get played on a regular basis, like daily, even guitars. I really like, like, uh, guitars I really like, uh, that are behind me that I really like, they get played. Sometimes you pick them up and you, you know, you're inspired to play them and it's a little different sound and it's great. It's nice to have a change of pace, but there are guitars that if I, if I was going to say, uh, six out of 10, uh, six out of seven days a week, I'm playing, it's the same three guitars. So what I'm saying is those guitars, I have to change the strings on pretty often. And the rest, I just don't. Um, <laughs> some of you guys just put some funny comments about things you do for a living. Lord JP says, I spray my strings with nitrocellulose lacquer. That's not the first time I've heard that, by the way. I've even heard of people dipping them in stuff like nitrocellulose lacquer. Um, I've never tried it. It sounds it sounds bizarre to me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, so, but, you know. Um, you know, I'm curious. You got me curious now. I don't know if I would... Uh, he, I have a, a pot. I can heat up some some lacquer. I can dip them in there. I, so I'm curious. You say you spray them, so I, I, I don't have a way to spray lacquer. So I'd have to dip them, and I don't think it would work if you dipped them. If you're spraying them, you're probably putting a very thin coat on there. Really interesting. So, um, another thing about strings. Since we're talking about strings, uh. Lawrence uh, Petros uh, from LPD pet, uh, Pedals. Lawrence says, uh, Lawrence Petros says, I just buy new strings when they wear out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can, yeah, I, same thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes the strings just go dead. Um, oh, Lawrence says, I don't. I don't actually spray my strings as nitro. You're not, the, but like I said, you're not the first person I heard something crazy like that. I've heard people doing weird. I've heard people putting baby oil on their strings. So I'm sure some of you guys watching this worked in retail in the music industry at some point, whether you were an employee or maybe had a shop or whatever. Let me tell you all these crazy things. You guys pretty much at this point, there's no way that you're going to say anything that's crazy. Um, I have every, I've had every customer come in with every crazy thing you know uh that they've done to guitars uh and so like i said so strings i can tell you maybe that's what we should do a live show where i just tell you crazy stories of stuff i've seen um i know i once talked about the bungee cords uh, guy but i mean just same thing right you're just weird stuff that people have come up to with do guitars and what's funny is sometimes it's right and another time uh, another thing happened once was i remember having somebody tell me a story and i thought it was the weirdest thing ever and i found out that it was like every guitar player did that for years and then it kind of faded away in the in the 60s but it was a pre-60s thing um uh the hold on a second uh what else hold on we're at the ending point now, but I want to make sure I got all the questions. Um, I have another question. A super chat says thoughts about bareface cabs and their ABD system. I don't know anything about it at all. 
so bare-faced, interesting, bare like like naked, not like a bear, like rar. <laughs> Uh, so B A R E faced cabs. I will, uh, index them when I, when I index this, I will uh, put a link to this and that way I can check out their website. Interesting. Never heard of them at all. All right. Let's do one last question before we go, before we hit the weekend and start whatever projects you're going to do, hopefully to, to make your weekend enjoyable. Get some practicing too. I've been getting some practicing, which is nice. Somebody says, I like fast fret. Who wants slow frets? Yes. Um, Philip, um, Philip wants to know different Philip to me says, how do you go about shaving down a glossy neck? Uh, a glossy neck. Uh, if I do it, I take steel wool to it. Um, and I just try to satin it a little bit. I don't, sh I don't actually sand it down to bare wood. Um, I've done it for customers. Uh, have I ever done it to one of my guitars? I don't think I've ever sanded one of my personal guitars down to bare wood. Um, cause usually I like bare wood guitars, by the way. I like both. I like, I, I, uh, some players, you know, they like the glossy neck, some like satin neck, some like bare wood. I like all of the above. I just, it depends on the type of guitar. It's like my mood. You know what I mean? Um, but generally I like guitars with a little bit of shine on the neck. Um, uh, and not for any conscious reasons, just over time, that's the guitars that I gravitated towards, or I, I like in my collection, uh, have those kind of necks. So, um, so, that, so yeah, you can, uh, you know, you can sand them, but I would just take and take the sheen, the gloss off with some steel wool. And, and, uh, what's nice about that, I've said this before, if you do it that way, it will make the neck seem a little bit more gritty. Cause it's going to be a little bit less, uh, it's going to make not be glossy. It's going to be a little bit more satin, satin kind of finish. Right. But you can then buff the neck back to shine because you're not taking the finish off. So something to think about. Again, I'm not saying to do that, but I'm saying definitely would try that. If you're going to go and sand the neck anyways, try that first. See if that helps your situation. Uh, and then the last uh, one is... Hold on. Last one is Bree the Sign Guy says, Phil, do you own EVH Music Man? I don't. I have a, a Music Man... Um, a Petrucci guitar and I have a, a EVH Wolfgang uh, guitar. Um, I had an EVH striped Wolfgang. I sold it to Ralph. Uh, it, uh, it was my, uh, it was the striped one. You may have seen it, seen it in videos. And I did that because I wanted to get the, uh, the purple uh, PV Wolfgang. I was thinking about reviewing that guitar. I, I don't know why you can't get it anymore. <laughs> but I thought it'd be fun to do a video on it because I really like it. And I did some stuff to it and maybe you guys would be curious about it. So cool, cool guitars for sure. Um, but there you go. All right. On that note, I'm gonna let you guys go. That was a good episode. I want to thank all of you guys for joining me every Friday like this. It was really cool. Like I said before, you guys can check it out as a podcast and you can stream it if you'd like. I'll index the, uh, the video after I go. Um, and, uh, I want to thank a couple, uh, you know, I want to thank all the patrons that are supporting the channel. Um, you guys are awesome. You make this possible every week. Uh, and, uh, I really appreciate you guys so much. Um, starting next week, I'm going to have the lists again, the, the patron changed a few things. And now the screen that I used wasn't the same. So we got it, I think ironed out so we can start that back next week and give you guys the credit you're due. 
which is always important. Uh, before I go, if you guys don't forget, uh, a lot of you are saying thumbs up. Give the thumbs up if you like. I appreciate that. And as always, I want to thank you guys so much for your time. And until next Friday, know your gear. <laughs>